This is Podco Media Networks. Welcome back, local citizens. You're listening to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. I'm Florence Adu, your host, and we're at part two of our discussion with Emanuela Tim, founder of Refine Creative. If you recall, in part one of our discussion, Emmanuel talked about his early exposure to nonfiction storytelling and a little bit more about how he came to call Accra home. So let's go back and pick up our conversation with Emmanuel. You talked a little bit more with the file uploads and all that about work. Tell us exactly what you do. So you spoke about Indigenous mm-hmm. a bit. We It's a lovely five-part documentary docuseries that was filmed, as you mentioned, in Ghana, Kenya, and in Zambia. In Zambia, right? So three countries, three different perspectives. We worked together on a documentary that was on mining. That was called Perspective. That mm-hmm. was filmed in Ghana, Nigeria, and Ivory Coast. We just wrapped on the launch of that in those three countries. And so how did you come for those particular projects? And I guess your projects in general. So what's the process? How do you, how do they originate? How do you get it funded? What are the details of actually getting from this idea of telling a story to us seeing it? Okay, so when I say I'm doing nonfiction, I kind of have a chance to pick and choose what type of nonfiction we have. And 90% of the time, there's some sort of challenge. And with these challenges, they're asking for some sort of way or avenue to have talking points and discussions that is better than having some 30-page report. So most of the time, I have people who are coming from foundations. So if I mention Open Society Foundation or Oxfam or even the World Bank, which many people could be familiar with, or IFC, they have something of substance to talk about, but they don't really know how to approach the different target audiences. And it could be a target audience of 10 people in a boardroom, or it could be the whole population. And with my background working with State Department, we had challenging conversations that we had to make very short form, but we would talk about youth empowerment or global citizenry. So with that background, working with State Department and also working with many groups in D.C. that are international, it was an easier transition for me to say, I know how to go from start to finish on a project. While a client or a foundation or an individual has an idea and they see examples online or they want to come up with something original, promoting maybe an agricultural product like Fonio, a little tiny millet, like a little grain that's a superfood that's making a big impact. We sit down and we brainstorm from start to finish. What is it that they're trying to achieve? What are the messaging that they're trying to do? Should we really do video? Should it just be photos on social media? Sometimes... I'm sitting down with somebody that has a great idea for their business and they realize not only is video not really the avenue that they need or they don't have the budget for or they don't have the capacity for, but it might be simple for them just to go back to the drawing board and simply inform people on the problem that's going on and that they should know about it. So when we talk about women who do not have pads in rural areas of anywhere on this planet, whether it's India, which Netflix did a special one, and I saw that that documentary won an award, but we also see it in Western Kenya, in Uganda, in Ghana. We have those problems over and over again, and the masses know about it, but do we visualize that? Do we go Mm -hmm. into the communities and see what the day-to-day problems are? Do we know in Ghana or in Zambia or in India that these people are only making $2 a day? 
So we need to find either a pad that works well or figure out what did they do for the last seven, 800 years when a girl went through a menstrual cycle. And if that meant missing school or working on the farm or just staying at home and sleeping, then we realize the problem is that's not acceptable. Then we ask, how can we communicate that? And it could be some short video. That's just somebody talking about the issue. And then I say, how effective is that? It could be a drama cessation and people are acting it out. So what we really do is, based on the experience I have and the people that I work with have on my team, we're mainly a think tank that will bounce things back to you before we decide how do we actually engage on visually telling that issue. And rather than being very broad and say a lot of we do this and do that, indigenous was one of those things where we knew that there's a challenge with food. Perspective, which I did with Florence, also was one of those challenges where we knew communities were being affected by mining, but we wanted to hear their voice. In northern Nigeria, we know that there's conflicts with Fulani herders and farmers that are around. So we try and find out who are doing well. And sometimes we're out there to tell good news and find a format to inform the masses that even through the gist of conflict, that there are little stories. So something that's great in Africa that my team specializes in is highlighting those great stories or being hired by Nat Geo, Discovery Channel, and BBC just to find true stories that would engage people. Um, what Florence did not mention is that she was part of our team to help produce content for Christiana and Poor's Sex and Love Around the World. And the challenge is Christiana and Poor comes to get the NOAA country, and it takes a lot of legwork behind the scenes to build that up. So not only do we develop content that we create with clients, but we also will serve as consultants or what we call fixers. And Florence and I had the responsibility for a number of different groups just to help them be able to come into the country, work as either press or work as a group that needs to have an event function. So we, we provided a service, but we also dug our heels deep into telling our client, informing and even doing research for our client about the cultures that are in Ghana, about the issue and what makes Ghana significant and unique. And I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of amazing women who are able to dig deep on sex and love around the world. So mm. it wasn't me being an expert on sexual understandings in Ghana. It was me working with the team. But the format that my team and what we're able to do was provide reasonable access to a lot of people at a short period of time and be able to handle the logistics and the coordination, which allows me to say we could produce content and we're able to provide services and we're able just to see what's best suited for outside audiences mm -hmm. and for audiences within Ghana. One thing that Florence and I haven't mentioned now is we were really striving for capacity building. And we also see that when we don't see representations of Africans in the media, we're really challenged to ask ourselves, what's important for us to see ourselves as? Should we see Nigerians and Ghanaians being smuggled into Europe or trying to cross the border into America or being maids or, you know, domestic workers or slaves in the Middle East? Or do we see that there's young entrepreneurs that are fighting corruption and trying to really disseminate information so then we don't have issues on the continent? So 
when we try and emphasize and highlight those people on personal documentaries, that's great. But we're also working on educating the youth for future generations for them to ask questions, not to necessarily change their culture, but really for them to ask questions and to see themselves finding those solutions. Right. Right. And telling the stories. I think oh. that's the our my biggest challenge has been just finding young people who have the willingness to work and work consistently and show up and really be curious about what is going on around them. Because I think what we face a lot of times is these young people are so beat down that they forget that they can be a solution, you know. And so that's really one of the things that I enjoy working with you on is because as we work together and we work with young people, we're actually adding value to our work and to the marketplace of people in production, in film, in education here in the country. So imagine, if you will, you could be anywhere in the world and you're filming or you're working with people that speak a language that you don't know. Again, with my background from all the groups in D.C. to my background with Nat Geo and CNN, we're constantly trying to work with translators. Through the 12 years of experience of working with translators, and I think my very first project was in Metro Detroit 16 years ago, so it was random. I did it, but it was something with Russian. And I had to get Russian translations on women that had been abused by their husband and seeking asylum. And they had all these video testimonies, and I had to sit there with the translator and get it explained. What's amazing about the core six or eight languages, that include Chinese, Spanish, Portuguese, French, English. Romance. Uh, so the romance languages along with, you know, Arabic. It's great with these multinational companies to cover those. But when you have some obscure language that even in Accra, people never even heard of, you have to figure something out. And the first time I experienced that this year was some project that dealt in northern Ghana. And we had some language experts, but they didn't really have the Internet connection. And it mm -hmm. took two months to translate an hour and a half worth of content. The reason I bring this up is after that experience and after all the experiences I had way before, I just said, I'm out in the village for this project focused on Phonio. This group also has a random language in the north. How much would it cost for me to fly somebody and house somebody to sit down and go through the seven hours of content? I did not know that this person had never been on a plane. I did not know. This person only has a smartphone and never touched a computer. Oh, wow. Through the free program typing.com for the first day, she was on it. A 23-year-old young woman who showed so much potential. We extended her time here so she could learn, but also the team that she was working with had a computer in Accra, and they didn't realize that she had never worked with a computer, but her getting that computer and working off the machines with me and my team, she was able not only to learn how to type, but she was able to look at all the video, translate six hours worth of content, and still work within our budget. So even if you are a peasant farmer in a rural area, when you're given the right tools and the right resources, you can do amazing things. From her working with us, we developed a level of trust where she opened up and told me a lot of insight about how this particular company functions and what she hopes to do. So a woman that would oversee the washing of a little tiny grain has now talked to her supervisors and she'll not only help with the marketing because of what we're doing with them, but also she's going to look at the financial aspect and help them save money. She learned how to use Excel overnight. She learned how to type. It's crazy. Right. 
And she's watched Blacklist and all these other shows. And I gave her downtime and said, look, you could, here's my Netflix account. Here's these videos. She watched Blacklist, just one episode on Netflix and said, I want to just study. She discovered all these videos on YouTube that because I have access to fast internet, that she's able to watch them nonstop. She learned so much from TED Talks. I felt like crying because the subjects she was reading about online and listening to right there were things I wanted to learn. So sometimes I just stopped and said, ah, this village girl <laughs> knows <laughs> six languages and right. here has the potential to go so fast. And that's when I rewind and remember my dad who came from a village. Right. Who's electrical engineer that's right. done this and this has reminded me, don't worry about where you're from. It's where you're going. What in your mind is your favorite or innovative mindset hack that you can imagine? So, you know, you just spoke about this woman who took an opportunity that was probably a week, two weeks in duration and totally transformed where she was going. So just with that in mind and just generally looking at life here and, and people you've worked with, what what kind of what is a mindset hack that you want to share? Well, I had to really prepare myself and look at mindset hack and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do these mindset hacks every single day. Yeah. Um, simply put, I ran track. Mm-hmm. And running track, all you're doing is running around some curved track over and over again. I'm not a marathon runner. I'm built for sprinting. Sure. So I have to pre-visualize. Okay. And the simple mindset hack is when you wake up, you got to be gracious about what you have around you. I don't care how bad things are. So the first hack is just being gracious. The next hack is, what are my goals for today? I don't know if you're the type of person that's going to write this stuff down Mm -hmm. or if you're going to think about it in your mind. But when you know the goals for your day, there's other things that you could let go of. Right. Because there's only so much you can do. Right. Especially here. Especially here. It's hot right now. Florence is here and it's hot. I'm tired because I've been working late on other stuff, but I'm finding my work-life balance. But... The main thing is, what are my goals for today? Today, my goals are to be here and be honest on this podcast, Mm -hmm. to be here and be honest with my friends and family and to support my daughter who has an award. I have a whole bunch of work on my plate. I've been doing it nonstop, but my goals for today are simple. And because of that, if I'm able to achieve those goals and I do a little bit more, and when you ask for a mindset, I'm not stressed. I'm honest mm-hmm. when I come to terms with those goals. Sure, sure, sure. I love that. I like the the graciousness of waking because at the end of the day, we're here and we're here because we have been blessed in many ways to be able to experience this life, the travel, all of those things. So just to understand and recognize that there's a, a sense of grace and gratitude that comes with the goings on of every day is, is something that I can really appreciate. So we are at the close of our conversation. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule or rearranged schedule to um, to spend time with us today. And to close it off, I want to ask you one question that we want to know a little bit more about from you. You're a filmmaker. You spoke about a lot of different things, blacklist, different shows or programs. What are you watching? Oh my gosh! Nowadays, uh, so Netflix is global and. Yes. We watch a show called Longmire. 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 Okay, I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. Florence, you're from Denver, but have you been to Wyoming? No. Longmire is all about an older sheriff in modern times. Uh-huh. Like, this show started, I think, 2014, wrapped up 2017, or I could be wrong on the dates. Okay. But this guy does not use his own, he doesn't have a cell phone. And he's a sheriff. And he's a sheriff. So his deputies, people that he's investigating, all that. Uh-huh. 
They end up getting calls so that he could, you know, just do dispatch. It's about five seasons long. The woman, she's blonde, who played Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica. She's a deputy in it and whatever. But the whole thing is, I love Blacklist. I love detective shows. I love Modern Family. I actually, when you ask me what I would like to read, I love reading scripts for Modern Family. Mm, But right now, I'm binging on a Western that's modern day. And I think... Westerns kind of take me to a spot where in Wyoming, it's still frontier land. Sure. They're dealing with issues about casinos with Native Americans, but also building golf courses on some of the most beautiful land. And mm-hmm. I've never been to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm scared. I'm like, I'm African. Like, what, what happens? I can't ride a horse. Maybe everybody's like super conservative. But then I realized, even though the show doesn't have that many Africans or black people. Right. There's like two. Sure. Out of like the five seasons. But that's Wyoming. Three. Yeah, but that's Wyoming. <laughs> and it's very real. But I'm enjoying it because sure. part of me is always going to be homesick to America. Okay. But I'm exploring other things in America. I'm not trying to watch Grey's Anatomy season 15. Sure. You know, right. Or catch up on how to get away with murder. I'm watching stuff that mm. would allow me to explore and have fun. Mm-hmm. Before that Western, I was watching a show called Justified. Okay. That yeah. was from SFX. And yeah. then also The Americans. Okay. So I love shows that are really trying to show you from their perspective how they do stuff. So I might not agree with someone politically or Mm. religiously or whatever, Mm -hmm. but by watching the show Americans about Russians that are embedded here that are secret spies, Mm -hmm. you see where they come from. So Mm -hmm. I am constantly reading and watching things that have a total different perspective than myself. So I could just escape and be like, I identify with that character. And right. not their situation, but I didn't identify with that character. And if this guy is such a older, old school cowboy in a world that's modern, but still able to do what's just and right. And always the outside's looking at him in the wrong way. That, that's that hero journey that I love. Mm-hmm. Now, what I dream of is kind of make an Afro sci-fi Western. And right now I'm just like, I don't even <laughs> need to emulate it. What I need to do is just enjoy because the content that I'm working right now is as demanding as it is. Yeah. But it inspires me in the future to do something that lets people see what's going on here a little bit further. Okay. I like that. So that is Longmire. Longmire. Yes. Okay. I'll have to look that Walt one up. Longmire. We'll have, Just, to, have to look it up on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. So Emmanuel, thank you so much for hosting me here today with you in your studio. We're in East Lake Gone in Accra. I think there's some work going on in the background, which is just par for the course for a living life outside of the daily I guess, grind of an urban environment, but construction is everywhere. Um, So I want to thank everyone for catching us here today. Stay tuned for our next episode. And Emmanuel, do you have any sign-off comments that you want to share with our audience? Um, If you're really interested in this podcast, you must be interested in travel. So when you have a chance, come to a crop. Right, which is a great segue into where the tail end of this year of return... And so there are so many people traveling from outside that are coming in. I think it's going to be a really hot December. You're doing things. We're all doing things. But yeah, Accra, I would definitely recommend it as a destination to visit. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to Global Citizens with Florence Adu. See you next time. Mm-hmm.